Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from HarperCollins, presenting The Angel of Rome by Jess Walter, a stunning collection of tender and brilliant stories about the moments when life changes you, for the better or the worse. It just keeps happening, Rome, over and over, the city reinventing itself for each new generation. And us, too, I suppose, if we have the courage and the people to show us the way. That's Eduardo Ballerini reading from The Angel of Rome, the latest story collection by best-selling author Jess Walter. A starred Kirkus review says that you should prepare for delight. And you should. The Angel of Rome by National Book Award finalist Jess Walter. Available now wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, we were out walking in Rome, just finished actually having a tea and a cappuccino, and we happened to walk by one of Tiffany's old apartments, and the door was open. <laughs> and so we busted in and we're sitting in the courtyard behind her old apartment. I lived here, I think, between the spring of 2006 and the summer of, or the fall of 2008. No, no, it was longer than that. Sorry. It was like the spring of 2006 until the fall of 2010. So a, a good number of years. How old would you say you were? Are you trying to age me, Katie? <laughs> well, we need to know your frame of mind. I was young. Let's just put it that way. I was young. I moved in when I was in my 20s, okay? <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, we're going to talk a little bit about aging. Yay! <laughs> your favorite topic. In part because I had a couple experiences. Obviously, I'm not in Rome as often as you are. <laughs> I don't live here. I live in Seattle. And it's been since 2018 since I was last here. And we talked in an earlier episode just a few uh, weeks ago about me being relieved, like I always am, to see some of the same people in the same place. But I had this experience also where sometimes when you see the same people in the same place and you've been gone for a while, you also notice how much older those people have become in that period of time. And I was at the grocery store yesterday and one of my most disgruntled checkers one I always noticed because he always had such a kind of a grumpy attitude whenever I was in his line, which kind of made him my favorite in the whole store. He was still there. He was stocking juice angrily in one of the aisles. And he had a mask on, so I could only see like the fringe of his goatee that he used to have. But I recognized him, of course. And the shocking thing about it was this young kind of punk dude had the same hairstyle, same goatee, but his hair was now gray on the sides and in the beard. And of course, I am started during the pandemic to get gray hairs for the first time too. And I thought like, well, of course, like when I was living here, we were probably both in our thirties and now we're both in our forties, but it also feels like no time has passed. You know what I mean? It's that weird time that we talk about. Yeah. It's that like Everything you think when you leave a place that that place goes on pause, you keep going on living, but that place should be on pause when no, <laughs> that place has been aging too. Right. And so that this guy, this checker, if this checker is now in his mid forties, that also means, of course, I'm also in my mid forties. Like we both have gotten to the same place. 
I don't know. It just brings it home in a different way. Yeah, it totally does. Well, I had a tour request for someone who went on one of my Vatican tours ages ago, like ages ago, like when I was still doing big group tours, I think. And for some reason, he kept in touch with me, him and his, his family. And he emailed me recently to say that they were coming back to Rome and he wanted to do a tour with me. And honestly, it did go through my head. Is he going to look at me and think, wow, she's gotten older. <laughs> but of course you've gotten older. Of course you've gotten older. And, and it's, not, it's not like you've made a mistake in getting older. It's not like you've done something wrong. Because I think women particularly, we get this like, I don't know if you've ever heard this expression, like, oh, she's gotten so old. You know, like you hear that so often. I saw so-and-so and she's gotten so old. And it's like, well, what did you expect her to do? <laughs> you expect her to age in the opposite direction, get younger? Like... It, obviously, yeah. but yet uh, it's so often, nevertheless, a surprise. Yeah, and it's it's like the price you pay if you want to keep living on the life. earth. Yeah, my mom used to say that all the time because I used to complain about you know getting older, even when I was ridiculously young. And she always used to say it's better than the alternative. Mm-hmm. It's true. I, I we if you remember, we did that episode about grief right after my friend Susan was killed in a car accident. Although, actually, it wasn't a car accident. It was a trailer accident where a truck trailer flew off the back of the truck. And and um, it was horrible. And still is. But that said, I was in moving back to Seattle from San Francisco. We were trying to, and also during the pandemic, we were trying to clean stuff out again. Be like, well, let's get rid of all the stuff we don't really want. And you and I both saved letters. So I was digging through this box of letters and just seeing like what's in here what era is this you know what 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 letters are are not very meaningful that are in here that are just sort of like dashed off and I don't need to be carrying them around Susan was not a person who liked to write letters but I would often write her and so sometimes I think she felt obligated to write me back (laughs) and uh and she sent me a birthday card and it said something along the lines of uh, don't worry, you don't have to really start to worry until you're 40. Oh, Something like that. It was like when I was still in my 30s. And Susan died at 40, you know? And so I always feel like how robbed she got, you know? Like, And of course, like all women, you worry about getting older. And yet the alternative, she would have much rather gotten older, you know, than ever worried about it. Yeah, that is that must have made your heart stop a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did. And it's one of the only things I have that she actually wrote, you know, so of course it's precious in that regard. Yeah, I think we do. We do try to like, we romanticize our youth. I do, big time. Mm-hmm. Even just sitting here. I'm like sitting here, I'm looking up at the, uh, trying to figure out which is the balcony that was mine. And, you know, looking at the laundry lines and remembering all those times I was hanging my laundry and all the, you know, that moment in my life was wonderful, but so is now. And we'll, we'll, you know, in 10 years, if let's say Claudio and I move somewhere else, we'll be looking at our place now from the window and saying, oh, that's where we lived when I really was little. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we, you know, we, we were lived for the majority of, you know, the first part of our marriage or whatever. And although actually we were living in Tristeva until I really was one. So, yeah. but you know what I mean? It's like every moment. And I remember my mom, and this is already years ago. I remember my mom looking through photo album with my mom. And she saw a picture of her in Hawaii, and she had this beautiful flower dress on, and her hair was all done. I mean, it was, you know, it's old-fashioned style, but she looked really good. And she goes, oh, I remember that trip. I was 41. Oh, I looked so young. Oh, I was so young there. And she was 41, and I wasn't even anywhere near 41 yet, you know? And I'm thinking, 41, young? 
but it's all about perspective mm -hmm. and and I think it's it's a mistake to 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 claim being old before you actually are and I think a lot of us do it mm -hmm. and now that I am in my 40s and I I'll be on social media and I'll and I'll see like some 28 year old woman post something like I must be so old because I just want to be in bed at nine o'clock or I'm so old this, I'm so old that, I'm so, and I'm just like, why are you saying that? Why are you claiming being old? Not that being old is bad, but like you hopefully will have time to be old. You are young now. And I have to tell that to myself too, because I'm often so, so often like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm this age. And I'm like, oh my gosh, in 10 years, I'm going to be thinking back to this age and it's going to sound awesome. It's <laughs> so true. Yeah, it is so true. And, and, and when you think back too, to being like a teenager or early 20s and how critical you were of what you look like. Oh, yeah. And now I can't even like remember what I did look like. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'm just like, I can't believe that I ever found anything to criticize about myself because my skin was flawless. You know, my head, you know, my, my face was all taut, you know, I had no wrinkles. <laughs> what? Why didn't I enjoy that more? But, but same same for today. Like, why am I not looking in the mirror now and being like, wow, I look amazing. Instead, I'm looking in the mirror, and, and especially first thing in the morning, I'm like, wow, my <laughs> eyes are really puffy. That didn't used to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. Um, so another thing that made me think of this is, uh, and I can actually uh, give you, I'll send you two pictures so that you can put them up along with this. So the last time I was here, you know that when Derek and I were here, we used to go to this English language church called the Caravita. It was just such a great place to go in part because it was a way to meet other English speaking people. And a lot of them were a lot older than us. And a lot of them were people who were long established here. And that was great to be around too. people who had been here for 10, 20 years, you know, or and a lot of people who were trying to go into the priesthood or go in, at, what do they call it? The nunhood, <laughs> the yeah, sisterhood, the, the sisterhood, you know, people who were there like pursuing um, a religious life, which was also interesting to be around. But of course, there were regular congregants. And one of the people that came and always has come is a man who always came with a very, very well-behaved dog. Now, I can't remember what the dog's name was. I used to know. But I loved this dog. He was so great. And, and the irony here is this man, I've, I, I have talked to this man so many times, never recognizes me. <laughs> but he's very recognizable because of the dog. And so when I was here in 2018, I went to Caravita a couple times, and I was happy to see that this man and his dog were still coming to the church. But the dog was definitely seeming elderly. You know, he was no longer the spring chicken he had been um, when Derek and I lived here. And I took a picture of them from across the room, him sitting with his dog. And yesterday we went to Caravita again to see who would be there. And we sat down, and everybody's in masks and, you know, sitting farther apart than they would have been. And the service has just started, and this man, the same man walks in, and he's with a new dog. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I just burst into tears. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Sorry, it makes me laugh so hard, because Derek, Derek knows me so well. And it's not like the sad tears. It's You're just like, crying, I'm not crying. You are. <laughs> Okay, but it's not like sad tears, but it's like, oh, that's so profound. Like, what an allegory for the passage of time. And, and Derek, knowing me so well, he doesn't even look at me. <laughs> he just reaches his <laughs> hand over <laughs> and grips my hand. And he just <laughs> looks over and he shakes his head. And I'm like, I'm like it's so perfect. It's so perfect. Oh, 
god. And then that dog proceeded to sit on Derek's feet for the first part of the service. Anyway, um, it just was such a like. I don't know. It was such a profound example of the passage of time. Yes, it really is. I felt a similar uh, passage of time having my nephew here because he was here at four and then he came back at 14 and then turned 15 when he was while he was here. And I mean, I remember him so well at that age. And I remember when he and, and his little sister who's two years younger than him, were, you know, the babies of the family. They were the babies. They were the little kids. And, you know, whenever we'd go have family reunions or whatever, like, those are the ones I wanted to be playing with because they're the little ones, <laughs> yeah, you know. And now, you know, I have a little one. And and Parker's a big one. And, you know, I remember Parker, like, his first time sitting at the big kid table. And uh, I think my sister had posted a picture of him, like, at a Thanksgiving. And he's sitting at the big kid table and, like, so excited to be next, sitting next to his teenage cousins. And now he's the teenage cousin. And he's got little six-year-old Aurelio who's just in love with him. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to blink. And Aurelio's going to be the teenager. And it's going to be my nephews and nieces' kids who are the little ones. Wow. Isn't that interesting? What was it like to... Um, I didn't really ask you about it. What was it like to guide that multi-generational group around? I mean, you basically spent a week with your mom, Parker, who's 14, and Aurelio, who's six. And us. And you, yeah. Yeah, a, a tour guide who's like not really working in the sense that, I mean, I'm not doing an actual tour. I'm not being paid to do a tour. And Claudio, who's like lived there his entire life. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. And my mom has been there so often that she's seen everything. But Parker has seen nothing. I mean, the only stuff he saw was when he was a little kid. Mm. And so he doesn't remember it. So um, we did go to a lot of big sites for Parker. But we didn't go to all, like, we didn't go to the Vatican. We, we decided not to go there. You know, it's hard. I think traveling with a teenager is always a challenge because they're never quite as interested as you would like them to be. Mm-hmm. And they don't get a lot of the stuff that you think is crazy. You know, like, it's surprising, like, what he really was impressed by. I, every day I'd be like, what was the, co- what, what, what did you like best today? Like, what was the coolest thing that you saw? And his answers often surprised me. Like what? He, he adored the false dome of Sant'Ignazio. Like, he just thought that was the coolest thing. Explain what that is. It, in Sant'Ignazio Church, there's, uh, there are optical illusions on the ceiling. And so the barrel vault ceiling looks like it's three-dimensional and going straight up. And then there's a, where the dome would be, there's a painted dome that looks like a dome, kind of. And so he thought that was just amazing. And, um... And I can't remember now off the top of my head what were his other favorite things. But, you know, other times when we'd suddenly stand in front of a place, I don't think the ancient stuff, I don't think he can really figure that out. Like you can't, f- not that any of us can, but I think when you're young, especially you're like, it's a hundred years old. It's a thousand years old. It's 2000 years old. It's all old. Like I, I, I you know, <laughs> like what is, and especially like if you don't have a great grasp of history yet, cause you haven't studied it as much. Like it's, it's harder to, to appreciate the historical stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, what about, what was it like for him to be? Cause I mean, I saw a lot of pictures and videos on social media. What was it like for him to have Aurelio hanging on him all the time? Because I remember, I, re- I remember being his age and having like younger people that really want to be with me. And you're kind of like, <laughs> you know, you're like, I love you, but, um, you know. Yeah. Well, he was very, very happy to be with Aurelio actually. And he kept saying, oh, he's making me want to have kids. And I'd be like, Parker, you're 15. Like, <laughs> calm down, put on the brakes. But he, he said that like a number of times. He's like, oh, he makes me want to have a little kid. Um, so no, they were really super happy together. And it was, it was funny because it was Parker's idea to do the surprise. He was the one who's like, let's make it a surprise for Aurelio. 
That's very cute. That's very cute. Should we move? Yes. Okay. So we're now, we're moving. We're moving because why? Well, I just feel like, you know, we've been in that courtyard long enough. I felt like we were both getting a little stiff. I don't know about you. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the lady who takes care of the apartment, who I, who I recognized, and she eventually recognized me, she came in. And she's very friendly. She wouldn't have kicked us out. But I was like, oh, you know, maybe it's time to move on. Plus, the trash was starting to get stinky. <laughs> yeah, we were. So the most beautiful courtyard, and uh, the trash is, like, right on it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> All right, so now we are up the street from your old apartment. Yes, we're sitting basically on a bench on the slopes of the Janicolo Hill. Right. Surrounded by trash <laughs> and trees. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful trees, but some, somewhere there's a trash can that is... Anyway, we're in Rome. It's dirty. So, since we're talking about aging on this particular episode, I wonder... Let me give you an example from our trip, and then maybe it'll spur something in you from living in that apartment. So we went to Prague as a part of this trip, and Derek, when he was in his college years, did a study abroad in Prague. I think he was there for about three months. Uh, I'm not totally sure about that. But anyway, a quarter, let's say, in Prague. And so while we were there, we were talking a lot about the Derek that was in Prague then, you know, versus the Derek that's in Prague now. And it's sort of an interesting thing because, of course, I think when you're young in a place or like you're learning to be abroad, basically, it's hard to revisit that place and not think about the person that you also were when you were there and how and maybe how far you've come or whatever it is or remembering. And he was remembering that while he was there, he said, you know, I feel like I was so hamstrung with insecurity and also just kind of like rigid rules about what I felt I could and could not do still, which is often a part of being a young person. You're still trying to figure out like, what do you adhere to? Who are you? And he, he was staying in a kind of dormitory type thing. So he had other roommates, people with him who were a little bit more on the interested in doing like what a lot of young people are doing. Like, yeah, you're going to school, but you're mostly out partying and socializing and hanging out. And that wasn't really Derek's thing. You know, he felt much more awkward than that. He didn't really want to go out and get wasted with these people. And so he found that they, um, they thought he was a little uptight. But meanwhile, he just feels so awkward and also... Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure exactly how he would describe it, but, you know, he's more interested in the history and learning some of the language, and he's much more heady in, like, what he wants to be doing there, that he feels like he doesn't really belong, and, and as a result, he feels sort of lonely. And he, so he spends days and days of time walking the city streets, you know, studying the language and w going to class, wishing that the professors were better, because... The program he was in, he said that the, they, they almost treated it like they knew what the young people really wanted. The young people wanted to come to Prague and party it up, be young people in the world on their own. Um, and so they kind of phoned it in a little bit about how they were teaching. Derek's such a scholar. He's like, I want, I want you to really teach me about the history of, <laughs> history of the Czech Republic. And I want to learn, really learn language. And I really want to do this stuff. And so he's disappointed in that. He's feeling lonely. And so, of course, in feeling lonely, he's also seeking out things that remind him of home, you know. So he's going to movies and he's maybe going to a fast food restaurant for dinner instead of eating traditional Czech food. 
So when I was asking him about this whole thing, he just said, I just feel like I somehow wasted it. I wasted that three months. I still have regret about that. But it's an interesting question because, you know, like you also, you didn't necessarily waste it. You never just found yourself there. You never found like, who am I in this situation? Walking around it now, he can speak some Czech. He, he navigates it in a way that obviously this person has like really gotten to know this place. He did get it, but he never felt comfortable as a person there. And I think that when he is there, he can, he can feel that person still. But I think that's kind of interesting where you can still recognize you're a much more confident middle-aged man now, but you can still recognize that really lonely kid who's like abroad for the first time and wants it to be such a different experience than it's turning out to be. Yes, I can see how traveling back to a place that you haven't been to for so long and you spent at least a moderately significant amount of time in is almost like time traveling back to your former self. Mm -hmm. And that must be a little odd. I know you've been here for so long. You have so many memories overlaid with Rome. But do you remember feeling like, what do you feel when you're at that apartment? Do you feel like the awkwardness of, or do you feel like the pride of having your first place in Rome that's your own? Or what do you feel when you're there? Yeah, I don't think I have as many, as, as strong personal memories with Rome that Derek would have with Prague since I've been here continually. I just remember being very happy there for the most part. I remember having a lot of fun adventures. I was in my late 20s. I was single most of that time. I had a lot of friends. It was a great time. It was a great time in my life. So I remember that. But more like an idea of what you're talking about is um, the city of Lucca for me. Because I spent, looking back, it doesn't seem like very much time. It was only a month. But I spent a month there between my, oh, I can't even remember now, sophomore and junior years in, in college. I spent a month there studying at a music festival. I mean, it was such a magical time for me. I, it, was, it was like what really convinced me that I had to live in Italy. And of course, I, did, I wouldn't move back for several, you know, several years. But I, if I could go back to Luca, and I did go back one time after I'd moved to Rome, but it was like maybe the first year I lived in Rome. It was still a long time ago, you know? Like it, I was, it, Lu, living in Luca was probably closer to my first year in Rome than my first year in Rome is now to me in the present. I'm, I'm 99% sure that's the case. I don't feel like doing the math though. Um, but if I were to go back to Luca now, I think I could really be transported back to my 20 year old self. Uh, Cause I was 20 that, that summer. And the, you know, the things I was learning, the experiences I was having, the ways I was coming to get to know what it is that I really love and why I want to live in Italy and all these things. I think that I think it would be really special for me to go back there. I'd like to go back there. Yeah, you should go back there. It's interesting because I feel like you never really had that like super awkward time. <laughs> like, I mean, what, what I, Derek went through, I totally identify with. No, I went through that in Montreal. Oh, that's right. Okay. That was my miserable time. My, my, I'm out of place. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know what I'm, I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I was a total fish out of water in Montreal. That's right. Italy. I, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that it's not just all like happiness and roses for you. Oh God, no. I mean, not that I wish you misery. Right, but you I mean you have to go through it though, right, to build your character. A certain amount of of difficulty and suffering and awkwardness. You have to go through that at some point, and we all go through it maybe at different times. But for me, I think it was, I think it was part of it was high school. I don't think I was. I think I think it was very awkward in high school. And luckily I had the theater 
as my safe place because I could be myself at the theater, whereas I couldn't really be myself at school because I went to a very conservative Christian high school, very small, where everybody knew each other, and I did not fit in, uh, but I fit in with you guys. And then I went through it in Montreal, where I was just like, yeah, not the right place for me, but I was stuck there. Yeah, and I mean, that's part of really the glory of aging, to just wrap it all together, is that um, with some of the bad things also comes, you know, a much wider sense of who you are and what it is that you like and maybe you can identify those out of water moments faster and sort of figure out what to do about it yeah I mean they always say like youth is wasted on the young because we all look back at our youth and we think oh my god like you know I was I had it made I was young I was gorgeous I had energy I was excited about the world but then you think about it well actually I was totally I was totally insecure I didn't know what I was doing. I hated my looks. I hated this, you know, and so it's actually, it's now when you're older, you have so much more confidence in yourself. You know, you know, like you said, you know what you want, you know what you like, but you know, it's a trade-off. You'd never have it all at the same time. <laughs> it's really a pity. Well, maybe we could talk about some of those uh, youthful dalliances on a bonus episode, uh, <laughs> which, of course, if you support us over on Patreon or by giving us a monthly or sizable donation on PayPal, you can hear two bonus episodes a month. Yes. Yes. So join up. So sign up. Just go to patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast, or you can find links in the show notes. Yes. And support the show. We are trying to get over 100 people. Which we're very close to, and we would love more than 100 people, but if we could tip it over that 100 people mark... Yeah, that would be super exciting. Something about the round number, you know, or that getting over the three digits mm-hmm. would really feel nice. So if you've been on the fence thinking about it and you want to know what we're about to talk about that we're not going to let you know about unless you listen to a bonus episode, uh, <laughs> join us on Patreon.com or through PayPal. Links in the show notes. All right, we're in Rome. This is great, and we're going to go wander off and find some other things to do. Okay. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Barks. Join us again. Bye. The Bittersweet Life is created and produced by me, Katie Sewell. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. If you're traveling to Rome this summer, set up a tour with Tiffany by writing to bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Our intern this summer is Allison Kramer. We will be hitting the streets of Rome on the podcast all summer long, so if you know anyone who loves Italy, tell them about the show and recommend that they subscribe. Our logo is designed by Jody Rick at The Lost Laboratory, featuring the art of our muse, Caravaggio. If you support the show, either through Patreon or PayPal, you will receive a handwritten thank you note in the mail and our logo on a magnet. It's just what your fridge or car bumper is missing. Listener support is vital to the continuation of this show. If listening has become a valued part of your week, and you have the means, help us pay the bills by throwing a 5, or a 10, or a 20 in the hat, just as you would if you saw a street performer in Rome that you really love. You can find links to donate in the show notes, or at thebittersweetlife.net. And my thanks to Drew Atkins for helping design the new website.